Yes! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. What's up? This is RJ Young. That is Brandon Drum. This is Young and Drum. And Lincoln Riley told us all what we thought we knew. And Brandon got us this audio. We're going to play right quick. And then Brandon's going to tell us coming out of the audio what he thinks about it. Yeah, Trey Norwood's got a season-ending injury. He'll, he'll miss the season. So, uh, you know, tough injury, tough for him. Uh, tough for our team. You know, he's such a valuable guy. Uh, can play so many positions. Great experience. You know, certainly we'll miss him, not only defensively, but special teams too. Yeah. You know, as a guy that was really a, a, a jack of all trades for us. So, but that's part of this game. You know, that's that's going to happen. We've had a couple already, and uh, you've got to, that's why you recruit hard. That's why you develop hard. You know, it's in, in a, in some ways, it's there's probably some silver lining in the fact that it happened early enough that we're able to adjust and able to get a lot of guys reps. These things are a lot tougher if they happen during the season or right before, you know, a season opener. Um, so it's given us time to do that. And, uh, you know, everybody was disappointed for Trey, but Trey's, you know, anybody that knows him knows he'll handle it well and he'll come back better. Than- All right, go B. All right, well, look, the, we all knew this was going to be a, a thing, right? So uh, when we first found out that he was injured and I did some digging and found out that they had – not run the um the they hadn't done any tests on him yet and there's a lot of ifs ands or buts about it pretty much uh well you know we're hoping that it's not as bad and i kept using the term on the website hoping for the best fearing for the worst and that kind of was the underlying theme that was presented to me every time i talked to somebody now they would bring up the fact that the ACL was an issue, um, and they ran tests on it. And but Lincoln wouldn't touch on it. Like he he would not touch that at all. And I get it, and I understand why. Um, just for the HIPAA stuff nowadays, and and the 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 Sue Happy Society that we're in, and so he has to really kind of tread lightly when talking about major injuries like that. But the good news is that there is not any other major injuries, and we talked. He talked about that later on, and was asked the question, "What are the other injuries?" Uh, and, and somebody asked about Ronnie per- Perkins specifically, and they asked about Kennedy Brooks, just because they hadn't been, in just the limited time that we were able to go see, they weren't dressed out. It's another fun. They're already back doing full contact. So other than that, and obviously the slow play of Jalen Redmond coming back, everything seems good. Um, they he talked about uh, the potential suitors for uh, coming in. Now we know about Royals potential at uh, the nickel spot. We know about Buki. We know about. Um, what was the other one? He, I think he named Jeremiah Cordell as one of the names, and um, I think uh, Selvy was the other one. Chance Selvy was the other one. So uh, those are going to be your options. 
Uh, obviously, they, they'll probably move some other guys around. And Bill Biedenbell came and talked to, to us again as well. So I think I, we kind of want to touch on that too later on. But uh, that that's it for the injury, the Norwood. The, we knew it. He's, a like he said, a Swiss Army knife. And they got to move on. And it's a good thing that it happened in practice number three and not practice number three heading into week one. No, I think that, that nails it. I mean, my thing about Trey Norwood was we don't really talk about him in the way that we even talk about other guys. I mean, even yeah. guys like Miguel Edwards, who I feel like I need to bring up as a guy who's still there, who's still got outstanding potential, <laughs> right? But he was there in big games, right? He was get there against TCU in 2017. He was there against Georgia in the Rose Bowl. And no matter what we thought about the guy – or anybody else. He was on the field playing, which meant that he was a better option in many cases at corner than anybody else. Because, yeah, we right. talk about Trey Brown, but the guy that was playing was Norwood across from Motley, right? And we also talk about, you said the Swiss Army knife. There aren't a whole lot of guys on that defense at all who have played every position. I think, I don't even think, has Broyles played snaps at corner in a game? I don't think he has. Because he redshirted his freshman year, and then he came out to play nickel and safety because they didn't have any safeties. So outside of maybe – and Jordan Parker had to play nickel. Yeah, I mean, that was the only guy that you had that had played all five positions at one time or another. And I thought that was really his true value at this time because that guy, if nothing else, has enough versatility and experience to help you and help you in the best ways, which are competition – and telling guys what they need to know, even if those guys might be a little bit more talented than he is, like Jeremiah Cradell, for instance. That was right. what I was really and, – and, you know, it's another one of those things where him and his rehab process, which is where his mental has to be right now, is going to tell us a lot about him. But he's got guys to go that have been through that and guys that can help him go through that. Like Starlin Baldwin had a – let's call it a lower leg injury. Uh, we also know that Caleb Kelly has – he has a lower leg injury. We know that Chance Sylvie came back from a lower leg injury. Jordan Parker, the same deal. So I, that's helpful. But more than anything else, it's just experience and depth and competition, which is something, a, a trait that coaches want to point to all the time as needing. We need guys to compete with other guys. We need depth. If we don't have depth, we don't get better. And we don't get better because you're not forced to get better. You know, like, like that's the idea behind Nobody has a safe job, which kind of leads into Bill Beatonbow in a little bit. But uh, did you have anything you wanted to say to finish that out? No, I think I think you pretty much covered it all. I think there was some good funny back and forth with Bill Beatonbow talking about Creed Humphrey, which I thought was pretty. Not nah, like uh, like I think it's Keegan Renault had the tweet. He was uh, the qu- he put the question was like outside of Creed, uh, you know who's who's looking to start in spot. He's like, oh, so you think Creed's going to start? And I'm just like, yeah, and he said, yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's what, right. And I was like, yeah. oh, good God. Like, come on, but man. I, but, you know, I asked him later on. I said, because yeah, I found it interesting when he said that because it, it reminded me of something that Creed said at Big 12 Media Day when he and I were talking. And I said, Creed, now you, you, your preseason All American on. And he goes, well, I don't have a starting spot yet. I, I, I've gone into this thinking that there's five open spots on the offensive line. I go, you really believe that? He goes, yeah, I do. He goes, why would I not? And I'm sitting there thinking, this guy's different. 
because I think he's you're preseason All Big Twelve and All American, and you're he, he's you're blowing really... smoke. He has to be. Uh, come on, well, he's no, blowing it, smoke. Well, no, what? Yes. He okay. Is. All right. But at the same time, it, I asked Bill Beatonball. I said, "Don't you find that kind of strange from a preseason All American? The fact that he was an All American last year and that he's up for the Remington and all that this year." And he goes, "Well, he's self motivated." And I think he tries to find ways to kind of challenge himself. And he said, we have a bunch of guys like that on the offensive line. And he goes, I recruit that specifically. I don't want specifically, I don't want guys that aren't self-motivated because that becomes an issue. And that's why we've been successful on the offensive line. Can I unpack because something real quick? Because we've been self-motivated. I just, I just yeah. want to unpack this thinking, right? Because these are the kinds of things that I am fascinated by in sports. If you know you're the best at what you do, does it hurt you to say, you know, with all humility, but also just say, yeah, I'm good. It's okay. Like, how does that really influence your psyche? How does that change the way you go about your business? I'm not certain that it does. Like if there was ever a criticism of Francis Baker Mayfield, it would be like, yo, man, you're really good. And continuing to tell us that you don't think that you're that good or that you haven't done anything also makes us feel like we're crazy because we watched you do it. And we believe in what you were able to do because we've seen it. And that's what Creed Humphrey, like, You've heard Lincoln say this. I've heard Lincoln say this. The most talented guy on the roster last year when Kyler Murray was on the team was Creed Humphrey. And yet you recruit dudes that you're saying, hey, I want them to motivate themselves. Yes, cool, fine. Motivate yourself. Do, do the things that you need to do to get better because we see that in professional ranks. Like, is Kevin Durant one of the best basketball players to ever live? Yes. Is LeBron James one of the best basketball players to ever live? Yes. That does not change their work ethic. You know, I'm just I'm fascinated by that idea of you have to have this tunnel vision about how little you have done and how much you don't suck, but you're not that good to get better. Is that that seems counterintuitive, yeah. right? Yeah, but I mean, whatever floats your boat. I mean, people find stuff to get pissed off about all the time. No, one hundred percent. I'm that guy. I'm that guy, right? So, like, that's so. I think that's one of the reasons I'm trying to unpack it with you. My buddy, uh, especially as yeah, and I mean yes, I yeah, because I'm that guy. Because I'll find something that somebody said, and I will use that against for to to when I get tired at night or something 100%. like that. I'm like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not gonna let this guy hundred percent. You know, beat me on this or whatever like that. So that is, I, I get it. So I get where Creed's coming from, but at the same time, <clears throat> you're the best center in college football. And the whole world knows it. You might as well kind of own up to it. Yeah. And know that you're gonna start. Yeah. Don't treat us like we're idiots. You know, like I, I would like. You're so much better at this than me because I will look at a kid straight up and down and be like, "Yo, man, stop lying to me." <laughs> like, I, come on, we're having a conversation here. Treat me like an idiot. You know, like yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, and you know, that's not even to to just pull the kid's card. It is to say, "Yo, man, I understand where you are." I understand the setting. I understand not wanting to say anything that's going to get you in trouble. But at the same time, nobody's going to get upset if you said, well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's some other guys that are competing and I'm trying to help them get there because uh, to, to, that's my job, right? Because that would be the tack that I would have expected him to take would be, 
hey, we're not going to be very good if I can't help guys get better, right? Because him being good ain't going to help the offensive line be good. It's like uh, my favorite line about Allen Iverson talking about practice. It isn't – the line isn't we talk about practice. The line is, how is me practicing going to help my teammates get better? Because, <laughs> like, where's the line? Where's the line? If you're how, – how is you practicing going to make Eric Snow a better shooter? I, anyway, I, I, I'm fascinated by that idea. You had also mentioned when we were getting started that Lincoln had talked about some other guys that were standing out. Uh, yeah, so he he talked about Marquise Hayes. He said, and I thought it was crazy because uh, <clears throat> Marquise Hayes was a guy that Bill Beatonbow specifically, you know, talked about as well being a leader. Uh, him and uh, Tyrese Robinson, and then he talked about. Uh, Lincoln Riley said TJ Pledger has really gotten bigger, stronger, faster, and has really things are starting to click for him on the offensive side of the ball. So he'll probably be your change of pace guy this year. Um, and I think we all kind of thought that going into this season that he was going to finally get his chance um, behind Kennedy Brooks and TJ Pledger or Trey Trey Sermon. Sorry, uh, but yeah, it's it's that's that's good for Oklahoma that. Lincoln Riley sees those guys as players. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, he, he talked about Brian Osamoa and, and Ryan Jones, um, which I found interesting that Ryan the Jones The two dudes at the, the bottom of the depth chart? Yeah, that, 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 that was – and I think, dude, when he said those names, I looked over at everybody in the media, and they are all like – Yo. Their eyes were just kind of like <laughs> yeah. you could tell they were like trying to process what he just said. Like, what? Dude, you guys have them at the bottom of the depth chart behind four other dudes, right? At inside linebacker. How? Now, mind you, that they may have had a really good practice that day, so that was probably in the forefront of his mind. But the first five or six practices, it's all been about the. the the Kennedy, the Kenneth Murray's, the Deshaun Whites, the Brian Meads, and the Levi Drapers. Those are the four names you heard over and over and over and over and over. And that is the first time I've heard Ryan Jones, other than he's struggling to pick up inside backer. Other than that, I haven't heard that name. Now, we've heard Brian Alsamoa is playing better, but to have him as a guy that's standing out, that – that again bodes well for what we talked about in the last podcast. It the depth at the linebacker position is the most athletic and deepest that it's been in probably five or six years, and that is good for OU. That they feel that confident that the guys on the bottom of the depth chart are that good, are playing that well. That's good for OU. That's good for the defense. Now let's see that it actually shows up on a Saturday. That's yet to be seen, and we are left to judge that starting September 1st. Can I do conspiracy RJ here for a second? Go for it. You're used to that. Yeah. I'm used to it. Let's go. Let's, let's, I think Lincoln is being asked about or even goes so far as to read the paper, to read the paper, to read the website, to read Twitter. I think that they got – everybody's scouring the news to try to figure out what people are talking about and not to get too ahead of what they're thinking about because they want to insert some, not misinformation, 
but they want to muddy the picture a little bit because they don't want to feel like we know exactly what they're doing. And we don't know exactly what we're doing, but we got a really good idea. And the idea that you would throw Ryan Jones and Brian Asamoah at me as me, the only guy doing it. Look, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that I am a Ryan Jones truther, okay? If anybody would love to be able to put a tidbit out there that says Ryan Jones is the man, it's this guy. And I have got word one from anybody I trust that says Ryan Jones is moving up the depth chart, dude. Like, come on, man. Like, just, like, I... Don't, don't tell me that, of all people. Yeah. You know, because him, that dude, he, Kenneth Murray Jr., those are my guys. And yet, those are two dudes that everybody wants to dunk on. So, so when I asked the question, I said, so what are some guys that, you know, have been here? Maybe even, that, maybe that, maybe guys, freshmen, that came in during the spring or guys that have been here for a couple of years that have kind of started to step up their game. He said, Oh, there's lots of names. And I almost felt like, and I almost felt, dude, I almost felt like he said those two names because I was the one that asked the question. And he kind of smirked. And the, I'm going to send you the video. <laughs> so I was like, I was sitting there going, dude, did you say those two names just because I'm the one that asked that Man. question? Because no. of the relationship. I don't I don't know. I mean, I that, that literally came through my mind whenever, I, whenever he said those two names. I was like, is he, is he? Is he dicking with me right uh, now? Man, look, and I wouldn't have put it past him because I think Lincoln likes to have fun as much as the next dude. You know, he just doesn't want yeah, you to no, run I on. Wouldn't. Especially because, I mean, look, Lincoln's a good guy. I know Lincoln. He's a he's a good guy. He knows who I am. Like, he, 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 it, It's fun when you're the same age as the reporter because you kind of probably know that they're on – they're going to understand when you're joking with them. And I almost thought he was joking with me, but he may not be. We may show up September 1st and see Ryan Jones and Brian Osamoa out there as the backups for uh, Kennedy or Kenneth Murray and uh, Deshaun White. Well, shock the world. Well, two, two things on that, right? Number one is I think you're 100% right, but if the microphone is like the recorder's running, they know it's running, right? They know when it's not running. You can have conversations with these dudes, uh, you know, that are just shooting, uh, shooting the stuff, as you might say. And, you know, they might mess with you. They might not. But generally speaking, when they know when they're being recorded and when they're not. So he's saying that. The second thing that I take away from this is Jonathan Perkins must really not be doing very well. Okay, like that was that was what I was I was thinking about. It's like, okay, we've seen Deshaun White essentially yeah. ascend to the top of the depth chart at will. So we're expecting to see Kenneth Murray Jr. Deshaun White out there more often than we see any other pairing. Levi Draper, we all know that dude's coming on. He's put on good weight. He's playing well. He's got confidence. We all know that uh, Brian Mead showed what he could do last year. We expect that dude to compete for time. And then you throw Brian Asamoah and Ryan Jones to me, and I have yet to hear a word, literally a word, about Jonathan Perkins. I know that he's there. I know that he's playing. But that is yeah. not the name. That's not a name that because you know you, you might prompt somebody. You'd be like, who do you like? Who do you like from this group? And there ain't but like six, seven dudes over there. You know what I mean? It's not a yeah. whole lot. So that that was the other oh, thing. He's probably thinking. seven or eight. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. There may be a walk on that's above him that's not named Brian Mead too. So I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I, I I have asked in crickets. Yeah, on that name. Yeah, so I feel bad for him. 
I think it was one of those, and, and from what I gathered, and this sounds bad, it was almost as if he was a take just because he had to be a take because of just the situation. No, I think like okay, so like what, if I'm gonna give you my reporting, right? I'm gonna do empty in when he took his commitment, right? When he made his commitment public, mm-hmm. you know, I talked with him just briefly because he ain't a big talker, and even when we we text, yeah. you know, it was just kind of he's just not into it. But I, you know, I kind of was backing him into a corner and being like, "Yo, what, what, what gives? Why now? I mean, this is odd." It's like, well, because I wanted to secure my spot. Like, um, okay. I mean, I get that, right? Because if you got dudes that, because at the time, we're still talking about um, kiddo that committed to Illinois. Um, his mom was really head on his recruiting linebacker inside. Uh, um. Oh, oh, you're you're talking about um. Oh, dude. St. Louis area. Yeah. Um, gosh dang it. Um, I'm going to have to look dang, this up. Because they wanted him. Me. He wanted to be at Oklahoma yeah. really bad. Yeah. And Oklahoma never had a spot for him. Right. Um, I got it. Because Perkins took that spot. Right. And this, this kid was really good. It's just he also wanted to go through his record, uh, recruiting. And he didn't, you know, he, he just – he kind of eschewed it, and I mean, yeah, I remember, four star. Yeah, we we talked about him uh, moving on, or OU moving on, because you know he was just kind of biding his time, and Perkins jumped on his on his, and this is when Kish was still, you know, very much a linebackers coach, because this is twenty. Shaman Cooper, that's who it is. Yes, Shaman, Shaman Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, yep. and, and we were all going, oh man, well, we and the more we think it, thought about it, the more you and I kind of just talked about the Ruth class. Ruth is his mom's name, by the way. That's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But no, like that was the thing. It was, and it was, you know, like he he wanted to secure his spot. He took he took the offer that was on the table, and he's here. And I never thought anything of it. Not that he couldn't play, because if you watched his huddle film, you know, dude could play. He, he's a player. But for whatever reason, just hadn't broken out. And this is after being on campus for a year. You know what I mean? Like he redshirted it last year. So it's yeah. just it's just it's just weird. It's just weird that. You'd have guys like I mean, because Asamoah played both ways, and I expected him to take some time to settle in. Another guy that we haven't talked about that has gotten a little bit of run, but not a whole lot. It's Nick Benito. You know, Nick Benito and John Michael Terry yeah. are, are all but non-existent. Both, I mean, Benito. John Michael there, Terry, I think. Look, look. So, from what I'm hearing, and I was told this probably, I think it was after like practice number three or whatever, that. Don't be shocked if you you see John Michael Terry and or Nick Benito out there more than you do Mark Jackson. Ooh, there's a there there's a take. Well, I don't think it was a take. I no, think it was no. I mean, was the, like how it was being ran at that time. No, well, I I, I say take when I when I mean uh, interesting note. Um, yeah, and I, look, I'm not. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around that thought, and I still haven't. And there's a reason why I haven't reported that because I've I've only heard I've had two guys tell me this and I, I don't want to delve into the sources or whatnot, but those two are usually very, very reliable in what they say, but at the same time I mean Mark Jackson has had some pretty good plays at OU and it's really hard for me to fathom in a speed D when he is a speed rusher and that's all he's ever been known as. Um, for him not to be able to beat out those two, 
And that's not because John Michael Terry struggled. Yeah, and he moved I mean, from at every inside other position, to outside. But, yeah. but he is outside now, and he is a freak athlete. So, I mean, I saw him walk by uh, as we were walking in to do the defensive uh, interviews on Monday, and he just looks like a complete animal now. And Nick Benito is somebody that you kind of had a feeling would eventually emerge as a player just because he's South Florida, he's a freak athlete, and what he did at St. Thomas Aquinas is not – I mean, if you if you play there, you've beaten out some really big-time players, you know, to, to be the starter and the star there. And he was a four-star edge rusher, and it was basically a uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Florida deal. And those, if you beat out those two for a defensive guy, normally – the guy can play and i think it was only a matter of time and maybe this the the simplicity of grinch's you know terminology has helped him understand the position more but also that freshman to sophomore year jump that's big it always is big and that was why i was going with jonathan perkins and i'm thinking man this should be the year but uh to to your point about benito look man um Jaden Davis was in the same defensive backfield as, as Jordan Battle. All right, Battle went to Alabama. Davis came here. Uh, I think the reason that we don't talk more about Nick Benito is because his commitment was overshadowed by Buki's commitment, right? Because they were yeah. just days apart. You know what I mean? I want to say they were back to back. Like Benito was like a Friday at the uh, Under Armour All America game, and like Buki was like a Saturday at the All America game for uh, when right. it was still sponsored by Army. But yo, man, like. If anybody was going to usurp Mark Jackson, it would be that kind of kid. And yet, my my beef with Mark Jackson as a player was dropping back into coverage, which is not something you should be asking an edge rusher to do. But it is right, consistent. exactly. It's consistently something that they're having to ask these dudes to, to do. Like, they stand up at a foot nine, but they also got to be able to backpedal for at least 12 yards, right? And I watched him get hung out to dry. Especially yeah, he's against not Texas. comfortable doing that at all. Like we saw him lined up against friggin' L.J. Humphrey and going, "Oh my God, no!" Why or not L.J. Humphrey? Um, running back, Cal transfer last year, Texas. Uh, dude. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, their running backs were non-existent. The, the, so no, fair. But I watched. <laughs> so, I watched them. Uh, well, and you say their running backs were non-existent. Well, they torched Mark Jackson's behind. All right, so like that was. Oh, 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 oh! You're talking about the dude that ran up the sideline. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah, was. What it, was he doing? What was he doing playing man on a running back to begin with? Well, that, you, we can. That was where I think everybody's like, "Yeah, Mike's got to go." But we, but you know, we can we can complain about it, and we should, right? But I'm also saying that if that is one of the things that you're asking these dudes to do in Grinch's scheme and his system. You can understand maybe Mark Jackson ain't there, but if he is asking these guys to do this, I'm going, oh God, are we looking at what we used to, what we looked at last year? Are we going to blame outside linebackers for getting beat by slot receivers again? Because, yeah, that's that's likely to happen. That's what dudes want. The thing that bothers me about preparing, if you're Oklahoma for anything like a, a Big Twelve offense, which Houston is going to run is that as an offensive coordinator, your job is to get the best matchup for your kids. And because you get to move dudes around 
and you get to manipulate the offense, you're frequently going to end up with a bigger receiver on a smaller defensive back or a bigger receiver or a faster receiver on a slower linebacker, right? Because that's just what you do. Seeing guys like mm-hmm. Matt Wilson in that Cleveland Browns-Redskins preseason game do what he did, that's why that guy's going to play in the NFL for a long time. He's a linebacker that can drop back into coverage and stay and play. You know, that's that's it. Like Minka Fitzpatrick played, I want to say, like 12% of his snaps at outside linebacker last year as a friggin' rookie. And if you are if you have that kind of dude, you go play him. But if you don't and you can only use a guy on a, on a pass rushdown, that guy can't play for you anymore. Because we're going to flex out and we're going to just force him to match up. Like, that's why Eric Stryker was ran out of the league. It's because you just can't afford to give that spot away to just an out-and-out pass rusher. So, which one of these guys can cover at rush end is my question. Because, like, what are you going to do? You're going to tell that safety to come down and, and cover? Uh, I mean, like, give cover? Because if you do that, then you got single high up top and you're asking to get torched. I mean, it's a trick bag, man. Like, it's a, it's a really shh sucky position see stop myself uh it's a really sucky <laughs> position well, i said it last podcast so whatever to, to to put people in but it is the nature of modern defense correct so i'm i just sent a text to somebody and got it back and i said my question was outside of mark jackson uh the john michael terry who are some guys that you would say would play at the edge? And the the person said Benito and Yugwebu. Ooh, I like it. The thing about yeah. and but because uh, Uguebu and Wette, for that matter, they're both built yeah. I think like, he's going to redshirt. What? Well, he's probably going to redshirt. He's he's had a, he's been running around with a bum ankle for a while. Well, I mean, I'm bringing them up because they're not not necessarily where they're going to play, but they're right the way they're built. That, like uh, the comment that was made most often when when I was talking about those kids, especially when they had committed, right, was man, that's what you used to call a safety in my day, and I'm going ding, 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 you know, because that's you know, Mike Stoops said this, and I don't think it landed for a lot of people when he said that position that Stryker played was Roy Williams' position, and I'm like, okay, now I get your thinking here. You're thinking, let me put the freak athlete out here. And anybody can rush. Well, it turns out only that dude could rush. And it turns out Roy Williams was one of a kind. He's a safety that you came that you asked to come down and play in a foot nine and line up against tight ends. Okay, cool. What do you have right now? Because Obo wasn't that dude. Obo was a friggin' defensive end. That, that man is not mm-hmm. he is not anything close to the safety. And yet you looked at who they brought in and you looked at what that rush in has to do, and you're going, you need a slight guy who's twitchy. But also big enough to to withstand a Y like Grant Calcaterra, Lee Morris. And I'm going ooh, Uguebu and Wete, and you mentioned you know Wete likely redshirting, but that makes sense, right? That makes sense. Yeah, I mean Uguebu, he weighs about two forty now. They say he's put on some pretty good weight. So if he weighs two forty, that- I'm I'm flying. That dude was two twenty five when he got here. Oh, I got the I. Well, I can we can look it up real quick. My point being is uh, uh, the fact that— I love David, but 15 pounds in a summer? I mean, Draper put on 24. Draper was sick, and Draper's frame is built for it. We, I, we got, I understand. Okay. I'm just right. I'm right. just, right. I'm just throwing—I'm right. right. just trying to be a—do the, the RJ thing. 
be argumentative here. Speaking of which, while you're doing that, um, can we tell people? Is that cool? For you, your news. I'm not breaking your news. Yeah, I put it on Twitter. Uh, well, then, then tell the tell the people, man. I'm excited yeah, about it. I've been uh, sitting on I this. I will be on. I will be the guy that you hear on 105.3 CBS Sports Radio from two to four, Monday through Friday, every day. Uh, even even during pre and post game shows that we'll have for OU football going forward. Uh, the uh, OKC Sports Drumbeat will be live and on air August 19th. Uh, from that point on, he weighs 232, by the way. And um, they will uh, – I'll be on my own show, man. It's pretty. I'm pretty pumped about right it. Right on. So CBS Sports Radio, pretty, pretty jacked. They, they reached out, asked me to come on, and – be a part of the crew and they're they're expanding everything so uh it's it, they're going to be real aggressive so i'm pretty hyped about it friggin brandon drum two to four up against the traber this is awesome like this is <laughs> you got drive yeah, time man he'll, he'll say he'll he'll mock me numerous times it doesn't matter good that means more people are listening to your show that's what that means yeah. nah look so nah. he's he's six four two thirty two talking about david Uguibu. Okay, I mean, I can believe seven pounds because he, he said he was walking around about two twenty five when I talked to him before he just before he let, got on the. That's campus. pretty. I mean, two thirty two is pretty. No, big. that's that's solid. I can. That's also yeah. half as much as we were talking about. So I said two forty. Yeah, from two twenty five. I mean, that's fifteen look, pounds. Two thirty two is seven. He looked pretty big when I saw him walk off. He, he's six four. Like, yeah. I mean, ugh. I mean, so was Wet Day. Like that was. I mean, that was what we were talking about. What they does look. What they look. They saw me. He's like two eleven, and I looked over at him when he was walking off, and I was like, "Dude, that's a big two eleven. The thing that I like most about him, other than his attitude about almost everything, because he's an old soul. But what I like is he loves being in the gym. Like he loves working out, and right? He, and he loves being with Benny Wiley in the weight room. So like, I'm not worried about him. I, you know, normally if a dude was a little bit underweight, you'd, you'd worry about how much he actually wants to lift or how much he's being asked to do because he might not want to do much. But give that dude like a couple years and we're going to be talking about him being about 240 and still keeping his speed. Like that's that's how much I think that dude's upside is. Yeah, the the I think – and you're talking about Wede, right? Yeah, Being an old yeah, soul. yeah, 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Um, for me, I I think that he's going to be a guy that could transform and maybe I don't know how twitchy he is in as far as being able to turn his hips and stuff, but he could be an inside backer um, potentially. Uh, I like him off the edge just because I think he's going to wreak havoc. Um, yeah. I think he'll put on the weight that's much needed, but um, he will. I think it'll take time. I think he is a player that needs a little development, just as far as strength and conditioning goes. But once he kind of gets that, he's to me he kind of reminds me of Kenneth Mann, who just struggled to add weight like the first year and a half he was on campus. And then all of a sudden, it was like, bam. Yeah. Just blew up. Yeah. So uh, I think that that might be where we're headed with with uh, Joseph Wete. And either way, if that that's the case, 
that means he's going to turn out to be a pretty good player. No, 100%. Um, last question that I had was outside of Neville Gallimore and Dilafaw Mattel, do you see a freshman that you would – I mean, my guy is Marcus Hicks as the guy that can contribute right away out, other than at that rush-in position because I think we spent enough time talking about how loaded it is. Yes. Okay. And we, 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 you said Davis was one that we already talked about, right? Davis. Jaden Davis. Uh, Jayden no, Davis, no, no. Uh, I was thinking about uh, defensive line, but yeah, absolutely. We can okay, go. Okay. We can go so defensive back. line. Oh, yeah. Corey Roberson. Yeah. Okay. That, his name has okay. been brought up numerous times. Literally, has been a guy that everybody has said looks like and is playing just unbelievable right now. So he's and oh, 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 no, no, and. and Marcus Stripling. Marcus Stripling That's right. yeah. has been running with the – I got it. <laughs> when I got this text, I about fell over because I just didn't – I wasn't expecting it, but he's been rotating with the one some with Ronnie Perkins. And then also in, in the fact that Kenneth Mann's out is also helping some of these guys. Like like Cordy Roberson's getting a lot of playing time yeah. right now. So uh, obviously Marcus Hicks – we think the world of and think he's going to be able to play and get into rotation. He's he's struggling a little bit with that hammy, but once that gets all settled, I think you're right. I think he's going to be a guy that fights in. I think all three of those freshman D linemen, and if you want to throw Ubegbu in there, I can, man, tongue twister. Um, <laughs> I had to practice. If you want to throw all five of those dudes in there, I think you probably could and get away with it. Just to you know, sprinkle them some time here or there, uh, get them in the rotation. And, and I'm not just saying in mop-up duty. I'm saying those guys have the potential and talent to really transform this defense for the future. Yeah. Um, I think that is something that they're banking on. No, because 100%. they brought those guys in, and they think that those guys are super talented. And I think the whole nation knows that OU – has really loaded up on defense. The whole nation knows OU is a good scheme away from being decent on defense. Now it's can they grasp it, grasp it mentally? Can the freshmen and the younger guys overtake some of the older guys that have struggled and been part of the problem in previous years? And once all that kind of settles and happens, you'll see a better OU defense. But is that going to happen in 2019? Like I said, September 1st on is something we're going to really see and make notice. And, and as RJ, RJ and I both said, look, you can't really bank on September 1st and September 8th being, you know, how things are going to look because we've seen this Rodeo before and it's, they come out and they, you know, the world beaters the first two weeks and they're back, they're top 15 defense heading into week three and the crap on themselves. And I don't know that we're going to see that again this year when they go to UCLA, but I think that's what everybody's going to be waiting for. Are they going to crap on themselves when they go to UCLA and they play a team that's got a good quarterback, a good offense, and loaded with talent? So talking about Marcus Stripling for just a second, uh, the last time that I saw him live was actually like a year ago. So that's a dude I just haven't had an opportunity to see. But mm-hmm. going in one-on-ones at the opening final – there were three guys that consistently just beat the hell out of who they're now it's a pass rush drill, right? Offensive linemen aren't gonna look that right. great. But it was Kayvon Thibodeau who ended up ended up being number one 
at Oregon. Mm-hmm. He's going to play a lot. It was Nolan Smith who went to Georgia and Georgia. He's going to play a lot, even as they're loaded at outside linebacker. Like they lost a five star and they're not even flinching. And then it was Marcus Stripling, who from his yeah. lower half to his middle third. All three of the guys that I just mentioned, Kayvon Thibodeau, Nolan Smith, and Marcus Stripling, are built the same. They're slight. Oh, they're thick. But, yeah, they're slight, but they're thick. They got narrow yeah. hips. They got big calves. They got large hamstrings. And they know how to get off the ball. Like, that was the thing that was just ridiculous. Like, EJ and Marcus go way back. They've been playing against each other for since, like, fourth grade. EJ and Domo Gar, who we expect to be a player in a couple of years. He's probably going to be yep. uh, Creed Humphrey's heir apparent and his apprentice this year. But he would talk about it be like, nah, Marcus has been that dude for a while. And at the time, it felt like he was going to go to A&M. And then Lincoln pulled a rabbit out of a hat, quite honestly, mm-hmm. and getting that kid into the boat without a defensive coordinator. That was ridiculous. Because I, I all but, like, up until, like, about four hours before – I remember talking to you, and it was like, so, so A&M, you're like, nah, man, I, like, I would have said A&M like a week ago, but today, this morning, everything is coming up OU. And by the time yeah, I got same a— same with Cradell. Right. That was the same way. Right, yeah. and by the time I got a text back, it was like an hour before his announcement, I got the text back from a person who actually put me on to where it was being live streamed so I could get it to everybody else, and that was the reason that I found out. He's like, I'm telling you because this is good news for Oklahoma. And I was like, ain't no way. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. And I'm watching it, and that kid pulled out an OU hat, and I'm going, oh, my God, because now you can go eight, nine deep on your defensive line as opposed to seven. Yeah. Like, he really did make you that much better and help you get guys into the boat that otherwise wouldn't have been in the boat, like Uwebu, for instance. I mean, just you can go nine deep on that defensive line this year I, and be good. You know, you can rotate that many in. That's ridiculous. That's big time. At places like Oklahoma State, for instance— they want to have six guys that they can depend on. That you could go nine deep at any school at any time is a huge, massive deal, which is why Bill yeah. was talking about everybody knows now Oklahoma's a scheme away from being good. Yep, they are. They're a scheme away from being good. They've loaded up on talent the past three or four years. Now it's, it's the mental and just the confidence aspect of it all. And once all that happens – Oklahoma's going to be up there with the Clemsons and Alabamas because they've recruited just like them. And that that's, that is where everybody's like, well, they, they've got to do this and that. Nah, dude, they've recruited national title talent. It's it's can both sides of the ball somehow mesh together and and be able to make that, that push going forward and not be so far leaning towards the offense. I think the offense is going to be – it's going to be ridiculous again this year. Obviously, they're they're too loaded, but I think you could see improvement on the defense. I'm just not sold on how much. I just can't get myself to believe that it's going to be a top seventy, top sixty defense. If that's the case, then that team's going to be pretty good. All right, I think that's a good place to leave it, dog. I mean, we did an emergency podcast because we got the news confirmed by Lincoln Riley yep, trading Trey and then we ended up rapping for like forty minutes. It's like, hey, let's do twenty thirty minutes, and we end up. 40 minutes (laughs) no this is good uh hey man uh seriously from me to you congratulations dog like it's a big deal yeah um man hey both of the guys at ou insider have radio shows yeah just let that let that sink for a bit that's awesome like yeah like just legitimately looking around the country that's awesome 
So, yep. uh, on the come up. Yeah, Let's man. Go. Big ups for you. Subscribe to OUinsider.com where the VIP board, excuse me, VIP board is rocking and rolling. We have been just destroying it with content. It is content overload. So much so that somebody listening to this podcast is going to get mad because it's a podcast, and that's okay. We love you too. All right. B, you got a final word, dog? Uh, no, just just next week we get Riley. We get some video. We get some pictures on Tuesday. We get Monday. We get post-practice. Tuesday we get post-practice and pre-practice. And I think the following Friday. And obviously there's going to be somewhat scrimmage information popping, I'm sure, on OUinsider.com. So if you aren't a member and you want to know how – Everybody looked this past weekend. When they go live, uh, go ahead and sub. All right. That is going to do it for us. We will catch y'all in a couple of days. Deuces. See you.